Coming to you from the Eon Project Studios, overlooking the vast, pristine acreage of Primrose Village. Greetings from this hidden gem of the Blackstone Valley. You're listening to Experts of Nothing with Mike and Jay. Hello, Jason. Oh, hello. How are you? Good. How are you, sir? It's been it's been a couple of minutes. It's been a while. Since we've had yes. It's been quite some time. Yes, it's been a while. What uh, what have you been up to, Mike? Well, you know, uh, just enjoying uh, life with COVID. COVID. As we all hide uh, in our homes and urinate down our legs. Yes. Every day with fear. You know, uh, before you came here today, I had to go back because it's been a while since we've done this. It's been a long we've time. We've been on a hiatus. Actually, this is a special episode. It is. Right? It is a special episode. Maybe we'll get episode. into that after, but you're going to say something. We will, yes. So, okay. uh, November of 2019 was the last episode we recorded. That would have been episode wow. 48. <laughs> This is episode 49, if you will. The dog is happy about that. He's very happy. Mm. Um, and so a lot of trans- has transpired since lots, then. Lots of things, yeah. 2020 was a chaotic year. We live in a different world. Uh, the COVID situation is uh, is mm. beyond reproach, mm-hmm. if you mm-hmm. will. It is a pleasure to be back into the palatial Eon Project studios. Did you notice I lit candles for you? I do see that. And you know what? This is a special episode, as, you, as we know. Quite special. It's being videotaped. Videoed. Uh, for national distribution. I'm going to break the fourth wall. Hello. And come to those back to, to it. those watching, yes. Well, anyway, you so you have a tasty beverage. I do, and I want to talk about my beverage before. Well, should we tease the topic? Yeah, we're gonna tease the topic. All right, so go for it. Tease so, the topic. So the topic of today mm. is going to be uh, scary urban legends from our area and our experiences with them mm. growing up, which I think is very interesting. Number one. But it's also interesting because it's going to be part of a feature documentary Correct. that we are currently filming. And that's why this special episode is going that's to be right. videotaped. That is the impetus. Do they say videotape anymore? They don't say videotape. What do they say? Just record. I'm recording. Record. I'm recording. See, I know, but you're not used to being on camera. I'm not. But but I am. I'm a world-famous Hollywood actor. Mm. Been on camera thousands of times. Yes. Not really. But I've been on camera before. Yes. Uh, so this isn't really uh, nerve-wracking for me. But how do you feel about it? Um, I'm a little nervous. Yep. I get a little yep. freaked out in front of the camera because I have a face for radio. Well, I can will. see that you're a lot more buff than you were. Uh, I think I've you've been, been hitting, the, hitting the iron. I've been as, hitting the iron you, hard. You, you know, as you get older, mm-hmm, Mike, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, people tend to become complacent. That's true. They get out of shape. They mm. don't eat. They don't exercise. But what are you, you know trying what? to say? When I hit 40, mm. I decided um, I didn't want to be old. Mm-hmm. So I went back to the gym. And I start hitting things, and... You're hitting them. I, I noticed Ooh. that I was losing my hair. Yes. So a quick aside. Yeah, if yes, you, if I do will. notice that. No, 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 no. Hold on. <laughs> I'm recovering my hair as we oh, speak. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the new and approved. So the, uh, the, the genetics of my lineage, if you will, mm-hmm. all the male persons, personages... Hmm. Are bald beyond recognition. Bald and beautiful. they all started at the, the like late teens, early twenties. They're all bald. But you've you've maintained your hair. for I maintained a, a, my hair for yeah, a long time. Long time. A couple of years ago, I noticed more hair in the comb, oh. so I started taking steps to prevent that from happening. You comb your hair? Well, I do. I don't comb my hair. It just you wake up that like that. It's I wake up with God given movie star looks mm. every day. All right, so let's quickly talk about the impetus for the show, what, if you, you will. Why don't you go ahead? You do that. So uh, we decided to get back on the, the Eon Project bandwagon because mm. uh, we've been talking with one of our one of the Eon, one of the great Eon Project one of, fans, one of the first fans, one of the first fans, mm. uh, Fifty One Pan Man, if you will. <laughs> Fifty One Pan Man. His real name is Brent. As yep. you, uh, if you're uh, fans of the show, you've heard of him before. Yes. Um, and he he approached us with an idea. That he wanted to create a documentary, mm-hmm. a, su- a supernatural, a paranormal type documentary, if you will. Yes, but with a little different, a little uh, different than, than what you've seen than the, the different uh, the thing of the ones that you've seen, as Mike has said. So what we're going to do is we're going to use this show uh, as part of the documentary process, mm-hmm. if you will. We're going to discuss how we got into the, uh, talking about the paranormal and our interest in the unexplained, correct, and uh, and all things strange and erotic mm-hmm. uh, and uh, and then kind of dovetail into how we got into this project and right like that you know that's per usual here on the uh, project we're going to uh, go off topic like as, right as we will like right now when i want to discuss this beverage that i have right here so on these these folks are not sp- sponsors of the eon project uh, but dunkin donuts produces an excellent beverage mm. uh, and recently they came out with this new product have you you're not a coffee guy uh, so well, a couple times a week, maybe. Uh, yeah, not really. I'm a coffee guy. I like, I like coffee. I drink drinks lots of lots of black coffee, mm-hmm. and I'm a black coffee fan. And the reason I tell you that is because they came up with this new product. It's called Midnight Ooh. Midnight Blend or Midnight. Ooh. Uh, it sounds uh, <laughs> ominous and well, foreboding. It, sounds, it also sounds erotic, exotic, and but erotic. The, but the Midnight Blend, if you will, mm-hmm. is delicious. What consists of the Midnight Blend? It's just a really dark roast coffee. Very you don't dark. Put any, you don't put anything in. Most coffee drinkers 
uh, most coffee drinkers just drink it. Uh, they put cream. They put sugar. Yes, they put. Yes. I don't put anything in my coffee. It's it's bare bones, bareback, if you will. Oh uh, yeah, bareback coffee. So what kind of beans do they use? I like the word. Beans. I don't know beans. I don't know the word. I don't know. But uh, the midnight coffee is number one. But mm. number two, can you see this? And I'm going to point it out to the I've camera. I've seen that. They it's, put a little stick in there now. This is new. What this do they is do a, that for? This is a little brown plastic stick. Yeah. And it goes into the mouth hole. I got it. And the only thing I can think of mm. is that it's there to prevent heat from escaping from from the hole. How about spillage? You think? Is it a sealed? Is it sealed? You're a smart guy because I didn't even think about spillage until just now. Hmm. Yes, it is It is pretty sealed, but it's easy to remove. Well, here's the thing. It goes in and out in quickly. In this environmentally conscious world we live in, mm-hmm. why would they uh, create such a wasteful product? Right. It's, it's just, it's, and it's solid plastic. It is plastic. It's probably like two the inches long. The seagulls are going to choke on that. And it goes right into the, the, it, to the it plugs it. It's like a it's like the butt plug of coffee. The piping plover is going to get that in his butt, butt the piping. If, yes, if you're a fan of the show, you've heard of the piping plover. Yes. Anyway. And the Cortland Warbler. Oh, and the, <laughs> the Cortland Warbler. <laughs> yes. So anyway, I wanted to give a plug to the Midnight Blend. If you like black coffee, which yes. I do, go ahead and give it a shout. A so, shot. Yeah. Not a shout. So this is, uh, we're just kind of winging it here today. Yep. Uh, there's going to be a point in the show, we take a little bit of a hiatus, a break, if you will. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to uh, maybe play a little musical number. We're going to come back. We have some emails that we're going to read. Ooh. Uh, because we've been offline for so long. It's been a while. The emails came in fast and furious. I had trouble getting through security this morning. You're going to think I'm lying. When I checked the email today, there were 666 unread emails. That's that's a, uh, that's a woeful number. Mm. Woeful. All right. Anyway. Why don't you get going? Oh, so I have to start? You're going to start. Put your plug away. I'm going to put my coffee butt plug in, <clears throat> and, and I'm going to uh, start. And rip it. So we wanted to talk a little bit about how Jay and I, and I, I think we may have mentioned this on an early episode, but probably not for a really long time, and Jay and I have been on the air in various forms for many years. We started off on AM radio. That's true. With a listenership of, of, of uh, dozens uh, <laughs> over the, uh, the northern Rhode Island, southern Massachusetts area, and uh, we... we uh, once our sponsors died, died off uh, and they let us, they, they made us give a key back to the studio. We went in the hole quite a bit, actually. We uh, were in the <laughs> we still, red. We still owe them money. Yes. Uh, so we had to, uh, to to divert to podcasting, and so we did we did podcasting for a couple of years, and then, like Jay said, we've been on a break for a while. But the theme of our show has always been the the unexplained, uh, the the paranormal world, ghosts, UFOs, cryptozoology, and you might be wondering. How the heck did you get involved in such a thing? You guys are two upstanding members of society. Uh, we we generally general appearances. If you if you if you um, put any stock in them, we don't look like weirdos, do we? Uh not uh, really. You don't. No. no most you're people fine. most people who know us know we're weirdos. Mm. But if you just look at us right off the bat, you don't know. So we wanted to discuss a little bit how we got into this um, this arena of life, if you will. And we've been doing this for many years, long before we started recording. Would you say? I would say. That's fair to yes. say. Yes. You know, it, uh, it harkens back to the youth. And I don't know why uh, I always found this, you know, the topics of the, uh, the mysterious topics to be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, as kids, Mike and I would go to the local public library. Yes. Which most kids don't do anymore. No, but the, the library used to be a hangout spot. Like you'd go there and, and meet chicks. Kind of. Right? I would well, talk, we'd talk on the paint normal the pe- ladies. Normal people would meet chicks. But anyway, just... they always had these uh, weird and strange books. It was like a Time Life series, I think, of... Uh, it's so funny mysteries. that because okay, disclaimer: we did not discuss what we were going to talk no. about on the show. This is all off the cuff, and one of the notes that I wrote down was the Time Life book yes. series because that's exactly where I believe my interest in this field started. We go go so to go the ahead. reference section, yes, and there would be a whole section based on like uh, werewolves and vampires and the occult and all kinds of strange shenanigans. Yes, uh, and, as this, and we went to Catholic school. Yes, so that. That type, that area of uh, study was verboten. Very v- verboten. You no verboten. Verboten. It's it's German. Oh, I thought that was um, English, except in a different way. Did anyway. you know English is a Germanic in origin? Did you know that? Uh, English is a uh, uh, is it a Romance language? No, it's not a Romance language. But German is. No, German is. German English. is not. It's Germanic. It's a Slavic language. <laughs> Gut, it's guttural. Just not look that. So we'd go there. We'd look at these books. We'd peruse the books. Occasionally, we would take them out. Yes, but. There was one book that was forbidden. I remember the forbidden book. And it was behind the, the counter. Yes. And you could not take it out. No. Nope. You could only look at it in the library for minutes, uh, only minutes at a time. And you had to get special dispensation from the librarian. You did. And they weren't like the hot, naughty librarians yes. that you see in movies. They were the old, crusty. Angry. Angry, upset uh, at life. You know, with the, the, the drool coming out of the mouth. And even 30 years ago, they knew that their profession was dying. Correct. Do you know any librarians today? Uh, no. What would happen? Mm. Here's, here's a question for you. I'm, I'm listening. What would happen if every librarian in the world yeah. suddenly just disappeared? Nothing. 
Would would the world be different? No, you'd go to Google. You'd <laughs> well. <laughs> let me ask you a question. If you walked into a library, would you know how to find mm-hmm. stuff? You know that that brings up a good question. That's another mystery. What the hell is the Dewey Decimal the System? The Dewey Decimal System. I don't understand it. Never it's, have, never will. It's made up. It's a scam. It's a scam perpetrated on the on the world's populace mm. to to basically to provide employment for people who can't do anything else. Correct. Because these these are the keepers of the books, right? The librarians. Yes. And they they are the ones that keep the Dewey Decimal System. They know what the decimal... Only they know. Only they know what the numbers you mean. You have to ask them for help. Yeah. Uh, but when you go to Barnes & Noble, right? Yeah. Do you need a Dewey Decimal System? No. Do you need librarians' help you, to find there's, anything? There's a specific uh, uh, category. Yeah. And, and you look alphabetically. And you go to the military history section, which mm-hmm. I typically go to mm-hmm. right off the bat. And you, again, you have your... It, it is... Off, it, it's it's alphabetized by author, I believe. Even in the bookstore. Sure. I could be, I could be wrong. But they generally have it, you know, they have a little sign that says the Civil War. And yeah, they have a yeah. sign that says World War II. And then you go on the other side, they got a biography section and they got a fiction. But you don't need somebody to, to help you. So going back to the occult book. Oh, my God. I can't believe what a, what a tangent we just went on. So I didn't have the, uh, the, the, uh, the nuggets, if you will, to go ask the librarian. So Mike and I, we discussed it. We argued back and forth. Who was going to do it? How old were we when this happened? I don't know, 13, Probably 14, 13 years maybe. old, yeah. Mike decided, I don't know why, because he's socially inept. But he decided he was going to go ask the librarian. Um, no, that would mean I'm not socially inept. That would mean I'm socially adept. <laughs> I know. Normally you are inept. Not lately. But that moment you decided to uh, reach I'll, down I'll, and grab hold. That's true. And you went and asked for this book. I did. And she looked at you strangely. <laughs> and do you know what the book's title was? I don't remember. It was called Demonology. Oh. And it had a black cover. Uh, and and I, you want to hear a funny story. The, everything that Jay just said is exactly correct. I asked for the Demonology book. She said, no. <laughs> she said, no. She's like, you can't look at this book. You have to be 18. Oh. And I said, I have to be 18 to look at a book? And she How goes, did we get it then? We didn't get it. I thought we got no, it. No, 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 oh, we we never, no. We never procured oh, we never this did. volume of, never lo- did. Of, of forgotten oh, maybe it's, lore. Maybe it's uh, the Mandela effect. I thought we got it. Never got the book. I saw it. Mm. I saw it because we had, and, and, and something tells me we reserved the book. Yes. Like we called ahead or something and yes. reserved the book. Mm. And then when I got there, she's like, no, you have to be 18. So we never got the demonology, but it started a lifelong journey. Correct. Of fun and excitement that continues to this day. Mm-hmm. And Jay said, the, the Time Life books, I don't know if you you have to be a certain age to remember this, but they did have an infomercial kind of thing on TV where a, a mysterious voice would come on and yes. say, the Time Life series, the unexplained. Oh. And we're talking about Atlantis and, uh, and the Bermuda Triangle. There was one book where it had a, um, uh, they were very, uh, very graphic actual images of Ooh. a person turning into a werewolf. Oh. And they had a spell on how to turn yourself. I told you. It had the spell in it? How to do it. Did you ever... Well, first of all, did you get the books? I did get the books. You, you bought the books? You had your dad buy them or your mom? No, no, no. no. I, I, I took them out. I checked them out with my own clan oh, you card. Pa- you paid My for library that. card. Your clan not, card? Not the Ku Klux Klan. You're in the clan? No. Oh. It was, uh, it was called it was an acronym for the Rhode Island uh, public book system, <laughs> something library and whatever. They probably should have thought of a better name C-L-A-N. than the clan card. <laughs> I'm a card I carrying clan ra- member. I went off the rails quick. Yeah, that wasn't But good. anyway, so no, I took the books home, mm. but I never had the courage or the gumption to- uh, You never to, did the spell? To do the spell. Couldn't I do can't it. believe it had the spell in it there. It did have the spell. If anyone's listening and has a copy of the Time Life book with the werewolf section that mm. tells you how to become, please let us know. Correct. Because we would love to, to try so the this, spell. So this, uh, uh, you know, interest as youths mm-hmm. kind of uh, went and spurned kind of what we're doing and where we're at today. Yes. Uh, but fast f- flash forward, if you will. Fast flash. Many, many years, because we went about our lives uh, yeah. as teenagers and early 20-ish persons. Yeah. We kind of forgot about the the, the old days. Forgot for about it. We bit. were off uh, across the world mm. experiencing the nether regions of uh, Earth, if you will. Yes. Um, and, and having the times of our lives. Times of your lives. And then we came back, came full circle, mm-hmm. came back probably around uh, circa 2009. Yep. When uh, Mike found his way back to the Blackstone Valley. Yes. I was living in the the, uh, the, the wonderful South, the American South. You ever yes, lived in the South? I have. A lot of nice, lot of, lot of nice folk Interesting live down in the, South. in the South. Nicer people than here, I can tell you that. So we saw an ad in a local newspaper that said uh, <laughs> uh, they were looking for um, on-air acts. That's right. For, for a uh, local AM radio station. Mm-hmm. So Mike mentioned it to me. And uh, I immediately became nervous because I, that's what I do. You do. I, uh, I had a, a fit of anxiety mm-hmm. and I thought it was a good idea, but I didn't know if I had the balls to do it. Mm. But we decided to take, a, take it upon ourselves. We took a meeting with the station manager. We certainly did. Mm. And it was eventful. We did. Did you say it was eventful? It was, it was eventful. Anyway, 
So uh, we thought, and, and this was this was a, a, an interesting experience. We've never been on the radio. We had never been on the radio before. Been friends forever. Uh, we we thought that we would create a radio show, but we went into this meeting with the station manager thinking that it was going to be like a like an interview. Like he would ask us questions mm. about you know our experience and how are we how what makes us think that we're able to to talk about these things intelligently. Uh, and that's not what happened at that's all. That's not what happened. <laughs> no. Would they, you like to explain what happened? Uh, well, they gave us a key. They gave us a key to the to station. the studio. Yeah. And said, "Come in after hours." Yep. Here's how you run the equipment. Yep. By the way, we don't even know. Want to know who you are? Don't don't know anything about <laughs> they didn't, you. They didn't. We didn't fill anything out. No. Nope. We didn't. Uh, nope. Give them any personal information. No. Nope. Just two jablo- jabronis. They knew our first names. That was all. That walked in and uh, with and, a key to the station and, and a key. Our whole time on the radio, I don't think we ever saw another person in there. No. Like there was never another. There was not a host leaving or another one leaving you or anybody else. It was just an empty station. Well, we, we were on the air um, in the evenings, on Sunday evenings. Sunday nights, so yeah. So nobody was around. Nobody. And no one listened. No, nobody. We tried to get people to listen. We and had there a, were actually some good shows. We had some good shows. We had some, some interesting people call in. We had some folks uh, follow us to the radio station. Uh, there was an interaction in the parking lot one time with a rabid fan. I will say, though, it was, a, uh, it was good uh, practice for what we're doing now. And, and the reason being is because... You actually had the pressure of being live. Live right? on the So radio. as soon as you hit the live button, <laughs> yes. you were going out to the masses. <laughs> if you weren't ready or if you screwed something up, that was it. It was yeah. out there. And we did have, a, you know, uh, we had callers call in and we had one of those old fashioned telephones with the, the yep. push buttons. The plunger button. The plunger button would go, vroom, it would be very chunky. And we kept messing it. it up and hanging up on people. Hanging up. Yeah. yeah we bothered guests. Yeah. We had some pretty good guests. We had some people actually think it was a real radio show and got some, some uh, mm-hmm. nationwide known guests. Uh, we had a gentleman that uh, that was a reporter at the Amityville horror scene. That was one of our first guests. That's correct. It's a very interesting. That was his gentleman. name was Rick Moran. You mm. can look him up. He passed away recently, yes, he unfortunately. Did. Uh, we had a guy named R. Gary Patterson, who was a rock and roll historian, wrote yep. many books. Yep. He passed away, unfortunately. I am yep. sensing a trend here. Yes. Uh, Scott Walter, who has done a number of TV shows Scott Walter, for yes. the History Channel. He's a rock star geologist. He is. He was on the program, if you he can was. believe that. Yep. Uh, so there were a few, and it was uh, it was local interesting. local celebrity Jeff Belanger. Correct a, a, of uh, Ghost Adventures fame. Yep. So we had some some pretty anyway. So so that was our start on AM radio, and uh, we've we've kind of progressed through the years with with this type of topic. Well, right around the same time, we decided that we were going to take part in a uh, a paranormal investigative group, uh, if you will. And that was right when the when the whole Ghost Hunters was huge uh, thing was huge. Yes. And everyone was getting a television show, trying to cash in, on trying it. to cash in on the on it. And some people continue to do it to this day. But the, yeah, so so we we delved we 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 dup, dipped a toe into the paranormal. T- t- you said t- t- investigation world, and it's a good thing that we didn't dive in head first because we met some unsavory characters uh, during our time. Yeah, and uh, we we quickly learned that the uh, the the paranormal field is not what you think it is. It definitely soured us yeah. uh, to everything that had been going on in that in that field. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and our big thing, Mike and I, is uh, you know honesty and credibility, right? Yes. So. As soon as you make up one little thing, one thing, your credibility is is gone, and then you have you have nothing now at right. this point, right? Right. So personally, I couldn't go on anymore if if no. we decided to do something like that. So no. we were trying to be on the up and up as much as possible. Yes, we brought some people into our circle that we trusted, mm-hmm. um, and they uh, basically stabbed us in the back, <laughs> tried to uh, oust us. We were ousted from it was our a own coup group from it was internally. A coup. It was a coup attempt. They, and before the coup, they they would make stuff up and they would just yeah. lie about stuff, and it was uh, it was very disheartening. Yep. And uh, that's why we get out of the biz. We get out of the business, and good thing too, because like we said, it was there was just a lot of nonsense that was going on. There was uh, faked evidence, and there was mm. uh, there was dramatic uh, reactions to things that you could tell were totally made up. And uh, we we met, like you said, we met some folks, and some of these people that we met, and this was go- now this is going on 11, 12 years ago, uh, are still in the business, so to speak, and they're on the periphery of fame, uh, and they say, oh. You know, I was on this show and I was on this show. But what they don't realize is a lot of people laugh at them because their their, their personalities are such that you, you can tell that they're completely making most of the stuff up as they go. Uh, but they, they cling to this fame, I guess, if you will. So that big, brings us full circle to kind of why we're doing this particular... That's it in the... That's the crib note Documentary. Version. You ever see those books when you were growing up? <gasps> the What? You just brought something to my attention, but go ahead. Okay. Uh, something just, I heard today. You, you have a heart attack? No, go ahead. Go. They had these crib, uh, not crib notes. They were called cliff notes, and they were these yellow 
uh, and black striped yes. bo- booklets, yes. and basically it was a cheat. It was yeah, it was like it was a condensed form of a book, like a literary work. So it would be like you'd get one for Shakespeare's Macbeth, and it would be like a really brief synopsis yes, of yes. Macbeth, which you, you read it, it means you didn't have to read the whole book. So every little every every uh, swinging dink, if you will, mm-hmm. on Earth now tries to come up with new and interesting ways to make money. Yeah. So there's all these different apps coming out and all this. All over the place, right? For all different various things. Yes. And you brought up the Cliff Notes. So there's basically, I heard the ad on the radio today, and I, I don't want to give them uh, any a plug here. So I'm not going to mention the name. It's kind of a dumb name. But anyway, the concept of the app is it's an electronic Cliff Notes version. Oh. So let's say there's a book that you want to read, mm-hmm. but you're too lazy to actually grab the book and read it. Yes. You just download this app. You download the electronic version of this book. And all it is is... It's just important snippets of the book. It's so not it's the actual notes. book. Yes, it's electronic cliff notes, and somebody reads them off to you. Oh, you, you don't even have to read it. No, you don't even read it. <laughs> you just download wow. it, and you just it just you just plays important points okay, of the so, book. So to the unintelligent person, it sounds like you read it. Correct. The uninformed person. Because you'd be like, oh, chapter seven. Uh, and right. then they're like, oh, right. That's, right. You're, you're a smart guy. You were channeling Billy Madison there for a minute. Oh, thank you. But anyway, yeah, so the Cliff Notes version of, of our uh, experience was just now. Yes. So hopefully you were paying attention. Correct. All right, so, so Mike, let me ask you this. Why don't you ask me a Let's question? Let's do this little bit interview uh, uh, form quickly. Okay. We talked a little bit about our, our, uh, you know, our, our interest together, where it came from, the library and all that stuff. But as a, as a youth, mm-hmm. did you encounter or did you experience or anything that, that preempted you to kind of get into this sort of topic? Yes. Interesting, if you will. <laughs> yes, I can think of one thing clearly. Okay. And that was my experience at summer camp. Did you go to summer camp as a kid? I was too afraid of summer camp. You were afraid of a lot of things. And I you was. Con- you continue to be. I was frightened. But, so you were too scared to go? Is it, that- was, uh, it was, it was, it's just the thought of it now gives mm. me anxiety. Yeah. Well, I had parents that didn't really care. So they dropped they me off. They wanted to get rid of you. They dropped me off at camp, said see you later. I was like eight years old and I was there for the week, right? So they drop you off on like a Sunday. They pick you up on the following Saturday. So I did that camp for a couple of years, and it was called Camp Karana Ooh. in Cumberland, Rhode Island. Okay. It's still there, and I torture my children every once in a while. I drive by, and I go, I'm going to make you go to Camp Karana. And they Is go, it still no. operational? Um, I think they do like a Boy Scout camp there, oh, okay. like seasonally. Okay. I, don't think they, I don't know that they do uh, the operation that they did when I was a kid. But anyway, so it was sleepaway camp, which means you know, you're there for the whole time you sleep there. Yep. And probably my first experience per- firsthand with the paranormal or urban legends or anything scary, I think it was about eight years old. And most camps have, uh, you know, scary stories associated with them, legends and so on. Mm. I, there's probably not a camp that exists that doesn't have this. And Camp Corinna was no different. But their specific legend, if you will, was terrifying oh. to me. Anyway. You want to explain it? I do. And it was called The Legend of Hotshot Charlie. Oh. And Hotshot Charlie was supposedly a uh, deformed and crazed. They're always deformed and crazed. Yep. You ever notice that? Yep. Deformed and crazed old man who lived in the woods surrounding Camp Karana. And those wayward campers who would uh, wander too far away from the light of the campfire mm. would be snatched and have their lives extinguished. The in the camp. That's exactly what it was. Like the swamp around <laughs> Paris Island. That's right. Okay. So anyway, so that was the legend. And it, it, the, uh, the legend started supposedly when there was a man named Charlie who had a, a cabin in the woods and lived with his family. And some, some uh, whippersnapper children, mm. kids... Uh, set fire to his house as a prank uh, while he was away, and it subsequent the fire subsequently killed his family. That's not good. No, and then when Ch- Charlie returned to the cabin, found his family dead. He went insane. Uh, he burned himself trying to save them, and that's why he's scarred, and that's why he hates kids, and that's why he inhabits the woods around Camp Corana. I see. So they would. So we would go on hikes with you know, and the, the whole the whole notion of summer camp back in the eighties uh, was crazy because you had kids in charge of kids. So like the counselors were like fifteen, yeah, right, and so they're in charge. Of you. There was like one adult, and the, the adult stayed in the cabin and and it drank was like, whiskey. Yeah, it was like Lord <laughs> of the Flies, man. It was like you know there was there was power struggles yes. and there were stabbing. No, there was no stabbings, but uh, so we would go on these hikes through the woods, and the older counselors, like the 15, 16 year old kids, would would say, "Oh, don't go off the path. Hot shot, Charlie's gonna get you." And it scared the living crap out of me to mm. the point where I was crying. Yes, to go on hikes because I didn't want to go. Because I was afraid that Charlie would get me. So that was my first experience with it. And that legend, uh, th- throughout the last few weeks, uh, you know, we were talking about doing this documentary. And, and that one of the things we were going to discuss potentially is the, the Hot Shot Charlie legend. Because so many people know it, mm. especially in this area. 
Um, there's a lot of people that know that legend and they, they still remember it to this day. And they went to that camp or they were somehow associated with it. And, and this legend is a little different because there's actually some, some evidence behind it maybe being potentially a little true. Right. Like there were, there was a fire, there's remnants of a cabin there. I don't know if there's any truth to it, but something we'll look into. And I think that's part of uh, some of the things we're going to delve into in this documentary is where do these legends come from, right? right? I think the majority of them really do stem from actual historical events that have taken place. And they just morph. They kind of morph into, yes. uh, you know, a supernatural, uh, you know, story yeah. that, that perpetuates the years. So that's how mine started. So okay. I want to ask you, let's let's ask you the same question. Sure. Did you have something like that as, as a child? Um, you know, I, I never went to camp. I was too afraid, as I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was too afraid to, to sleep outside of my own home for quite some time. Mm. <laughs> But I do remember a couple stories from the neighborhood. Ooh, the neighborhood. So there was a house right next door to my house growing up. If you fa- if you looked at my front door to the right, uh, it was called the Poor House. The Poor House? And not because they were downtrodden. Ah. That was their name. The Poors. The Poors. What an unfortunate name. And uh, yeah, uh, uh, Mr. Poor was a uh, was an older man. And uh, there was uh, the You better have a lot of money. You walk around going, hey, this is Mr. Poor. And you're like, shut up, man. Mrs. Poor. Um, <laughs> and the children poor. And they were three poor children. <laughs> This is not a joke. They all live there. <laughs> the poor children. Um, apparently, they had a ghost in their house. Oh. And uh, my brother, who was older than I, would uh, sleep because he was uh, friends with the older uh, poor child. Mm-hmm. And he would sleep over there. And he would tell me stories about how he would sleep in the bedroom. And like weird things would happen in the middle of the night. Like papers would fly randomly all over the place. Mm. And he'd hear strange noises and things. He's your older brother. My older brother. Yeah. So that was that ghost story. And then there was uh, another house at the top of the road. Uh, the Hankses lived there. Tom, uh, not Tom, but uh, his uh, far-reaching. Uh, Do you like Tom cousins. Hanks? Do you find Tom Hanks? To I be... used to like Tom. I thought he was a good actor. He's, He's a good jumped actor. the shark recently. What? Why is that? He doesn't make good movies anymore. What, he used to. What is it? What's a bad movie that Tom Hanks made? Um, uh, what was it? What was he in uh, recently? Uh, Waterboy. Was that him? Waterboy. <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you put me on the spot. That's Adam Sandler. I'm sorry. I, I liked to... him in Forrest Gump. I like. I think Tom it. Hanks is a pretty good actor, but I think he 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 plays a lot of the same character. Like so many, like uh, Liam Neeson. Yeah, it's like the same guy, same character. Same every guy. Time. Leonardo DiCaprio, same same character in every single movie. So anyway, the Hanks house, uh, there was another ghost that lived there too. Apparently, mm-hmm. uh, somebody had killed themselves there. Was the story I remember, mm-hmm. but maybe that wasn't all at all accurate. But so that's the, the the ghost stories I remember as a youth. Yes. So going back to or, or kind of fast forwarding a little bit when to our teenage years, mm-hmm. there was another local legend that we used to hear about, and it was called The House of Eyes. The House of Eyes. Ooh. That sounds scary. It sounds scary. In and of itself. Yes, and The House of Eyes, supposedly, uh, there was a, a deformed person that lived there. Again, deformed. Yes. They're always deformed. Another deformed person. Yeah, crazed and deformed. And apparently, if you went, and it was, the house was uh, the last house on the right on a dead-end road. Isn't that a movie? Well, that's the last house on the left. Something like that. And if you drove down... Down to this dead end. But, but wait, but yes. but but we no one knew the exact location. Nobody knew it. It was like in the woods someplace. It was mysterious. Yes. Um, <laughs> so apparently you drive down there and this crazed person would be in the window and it would come, come and out and chase you, you right? chase you around. Yeah. So it was very, very scary. Did anybody ever get caught by the, the deranged creature? Well, we don't know. We don't know. But there's a lot of unknowns. Somehow we decided or, or somehow, I don't know how it happened, but we figured out the, the mm. location of the House of Eyes. Probably a word of mouth. There was no internet back then. So this local legend started to become reality, yes. which made it even more scary. Mm-hmm. So one crazed Friday, Saturday evening, I can't remember which, <laughs> we all piled into a 1986 Chevy Nova. Loaded up on Meisterbrow. And decided to drive down this dead end. And I was scared pulling <laughs> up to it, but did I really think I was going to see anything? No. Probably not. You know what? I, I, I was driving. And as we uh, approached the house... <gasps> Sure enough. Sure enough. There was a crazed man in the upper window. There was. Flailing about. Yes. And we all started screaming. It was like an orangey-tinged yes. window. Yes. Yes. And then the front door opened. Yes. And someone started to come out of the shadows. Yes. <laughs> and I jumped down under the seat and screamed like a child. Well, the funny thing is, like you said, it was before. It was a dead end. So you yes. couldn't, you, you couldn't, you'd have to like... You had turn to around. Like, uh, you had to do a three-point turn exactly. to get out of there. You couldn't, like... It should be like David drive. Hasselhoff and Knight Rider. Yes. Pull a move to get yes. out of there. And you had a Nova, which at any time, the transmission could fall through the floor. You Correct. don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. Yes. So, yeah. So, the House of Eyes was a true a true urban legend in, in, in as much as the place was real. Yes. And there was somebody in the window, but now that we've looked back at it, it was probably just some guy that was pissed off that kids kept driving by his house... Correct. ...at all hours of the night. Yes. And, uh... 
was angry and yelled. Expletives. You know what? There probably was some truth to the fact that maybe there was a handicapped person that lived there. Could or have been something wrong with the person, and they would get pissed because every Friday and Saturday, kids would drive down the dead end. But this is an example of a legend that's not entirely fleshed out either, because you you have a, a deformed person that gets that supposedly chases you, but you don't. There's nothing about the backstory. You don't understand why they're so angry or what you know what Correct. how they got that way. Yes. So. How did that story start? Was it just like I don't know. some guy at the end of a street and the, and the word of mouth passed, you know, again, before the internet. So word of mouth between school kids and, and soon enough, you, a teenage Mike and Jay are yes. driving by the house. That's correct. <laughs> you just you just don't know where they uh, where no. they come from. Never know. But that one brought it to reality for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, fast forwarding a little bit. Well, before we get to the next part, which I do want to talk about, mostly on this show, we, we, we do go off on tangents. And I wanted to ask you something. Uh, that has nothing to do with the topic at hand. Yes. What makes a stew versus a soup? A stew? Yeah. Like what? What? What, what constitutes a well, stew? Well, a soup is a soup is more, uh, uh, or, or a stew is more viscous, if okay. you will. It's viscous. thicker, it's thick. Um, there's <laughs> larger chunks. It's got chunky foods in, in it. it. Mm. The uh, the the. You know the uh, what do they call that? The uh, the mixture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is much thicker. So yeah, okay, but what is the dividing line? So you have you know like chicken noodle is clearly a soup. It's clearly a soup because it's almost like it's a watery. Yes, it's, it's very watery. watery. Even though it has noodles and noodles, little chunks of chicken in it. Yes, but what happens when you get to the Italian wedding soup, mm. which has meatballs? It's in got it. meatballs. Yeah, but the you have to look at the brothy material. It's still brothy. It's still liquid. So is that a soup? It's a soup. It's not Italian wedding stew. No. Okay, but what about chili? Now, chili is its own thing. No. Chili is not a soup or a stew. No, it's it isn't. chili. It's its own brand of, of, it's of a, food uh, item. It's its own. What it is is it's it's a, uh, a separate composite mm. of uh, a new composite. Would you say that it's a stew? Uh, it's more stew-like. But it I still does it's not, very, it's it very still stew-like. Does not, but, it, but even with a stew, you can move it around freely. You can't move for No, chili, yes. your spoon sticks up into no, the I middle No, I know, of it. but that's so, why it's not a stew. Yes, but b- beef stew, you can move around freely. Correct. Okay, but how come? So what is it the difference between chili and beef stew that you can you can cl- uh, clearly uh, uh, spoon a chew, one around? A, a, a chili's more of like a slurry. Uh, no. It's, a, it's slurry No, it's not a slurry. Of course. No. You're completely out of your mind. I like chili. I don't. I love chili, but that doesn't mean it's not a soup or a stew. It's its own food stuff. It is its own. We agree. Oh, we agree. So why are we arguing? I thought you said it was a stew. No, but speaking of food, mm. you know, the whole COVID uh, pandemic that has been going on. I, I heard of it. Obviously, mm. you know, it's, uh, it's it's tragic. It's it's terrible. We've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm. But I think there's certain uh, uh, protocols that go above and beyond and some things that don't make any sense. I would say there's a lot of that going around. So today, for example, you mm. mentioned food. This yes. is why this, I just thought of this. Mm-hmm. I went to a local fast food establishment. Hmm. I won't mention it by name. No. It's a chain establishment. Is there a king it causes, involved? I will tell you this. It causes hmm. gastro distress. Well, they all do. So that's so, not narrowed down. I went through the drive-thru. Okay. And I noticed... Is there a difference in drive-thru experiences these days versus Well, I'm going to tell you. Okay. Here it goes. So the, I was uh, behind a vehicle, and I saw the worker in the restaurant, reach out of the window, mm-hmm. which, by the way, is half blocked with plexiglass now. Because that will protect There's only the one cold. little hole where they can stick their little arm If out. you cover the hole, they suffocate. Yes. Mm. With a giant, like, a plastic cup. Okay. Pointed it towards the driver, and I go, what are they doing? What? So the driver takes their debit card. No. Puts it in the cup. They let it, they drop it into the cup. Really? And then the, the worker takes it back in, uh-huh. presumably to swipe the card. Puts it back in the cup and then hands it back to the driver. Do you see a problem with this? Well, wouldn't the virus be on the card? Not what it would be on the card. Y- yes. So because because it, it's okay. Let's let's walk this through. Okay. So okay. I have the virus. You have the virus. I give you my card. Yep. It's on the card now. It's on the card. Right. So I drop it into the into the cup. Yep. It's still on the card. It's still on the card. Now you've grabbed it. Now, now it's you on take you. It out of the card. Out yeah. of the cup. Yeah. And you swipe. So it. how is that any different from how, just taking how is it from the you? Cup sanitary. It's not. How is the cup? And how many saving t- how many life? people has the how many times they has just use the same a card cup. been through that? Uh, has a card been into that cup? That's correct. And it hasn't been washed. You see the problem. Yeah, it's all window dressing. It's all window dressing. People are just out of their minds with this, and they're trying their best to try to, to try to make it look like they're doing something. It doesn't even necessarily no, mean. No. Yeah. And, and here's case in point. So I, I don't work for this uh, place anymore. I used to work for a company uh, right at the beginning of the of the uh, of the pandemic, and they instituted there were. Really early on in the in the, uh, the pandemic process, they instituted this uh, taking temperatures when you walk in. Yes, because it was kind of like a controlled area 
Um, not you, you couldn't just walk in. You need, you need to have credentials to get in. But anyway, to make a long story short, it was a controlled group of people that worked there. So they wanted to check everybody's temperature mm. when they came in. So they issued the security staff these thermometers, mm-hmm. these non-contact thermometers. You're familiar with these. You see them everywhere now. Yes. Let me ask you a question. You're seem, seemingly smart individual. Are those non-contact thermometers accurate in your opinion? Um, I mean, Medical grade? They're not as accurate as, say, a rectal. No, they're not accurate. And there would be people that would come I through. Like rectal. Yeah. There would be people that would come through and they would get their temperature checks and it would say 91. Mm. So that guy's been dead for several hours. Correct. The internal temperature is 91. That's right. So then they would go to work. So is that helping anybody? Is that eliminating the... Well, the, it makes you feel good. It makes somebody feel better that the temperature got taken. You're doing good. It's just not, not accurate. You know what else is bothersome? And this is the last COVID tangent I'm going to go on. Yeah. The pretentiousness <laughs> of everyone now. Everyone. <laughs> everyone is either a hero yes. or a victim. Yes. And it's 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 bothersome. I saw a commercial for Enterprise Rent-A-Car the other day. Mm. And the, and they have and what they do is they flash the face of the different employees across the screen. They have this very uh, they have masks on. This this look on them like, "Oh, I'm saving your life because I sanitized the vehicle when you brought it in." Mm-hmm. And they have this very soft-spoken, whispery woman doing the narrative about how Yeah, but you're a fan of ASMR, that that crazy weird fetish where I, people I, whisper I do, into but your I, ear. I don't need people. I don't need the enterprise rent a car people telling me how much of their their employees are heroes. I don't. I don't. Well, need they're that. trying to make you more comfortable about renting a car. Well, I rent a car. I'm I haven't not, rented a car in a long time, but I can tell you that the best rental car experiences are the ones where you can pick whatever car you want. Pick whatever you want. They're like, just you ever, have you have you done that before? It well, feels like you're stealing. Well, I'm gonna plug some. I'm gonna plug a, a, a company. Okay. Because uh, I've used it before. Turo. You ever heard of Turo? I've never heard of Turo. It's it's like, uh, uh, it's basically like people put their cars up for rent. What? Online. So if you have a vehicle, yeah. like, let's say you have a uh, an 82 Winnebago. That'd be cool. You put it up on Turo. It's a meth lab. And people pay you to rent it. And it's like, you know, daily fees. And really? You can rent almost any car. People put all kinds of cars up. How there. do you trust that they're going to come back? No, you, Well, you have to come back. Why? Well, because they take your information. <laughs> what if you don't? <laughs> They charge you with thievery. Who's? <laughs> I see. That sounds like a great way to steal a car. All right. But anyway, I was going to tell you, it feels yes. like stealing because you walk up, you can pick whatever car you want, and the keys are in the car. They're in the car. And then you go in there, you go like, how are they going to let me get away with this? I'm going to get stopped. And then you do get stopped on your way out, and you got to show them like your yeah, There's always hidden there's fees always... with rental cars, though. There's hidden fees. They always say, oh, that scratch wasn't there when you got it. Oh, I got you, a rental you have car. to have a major credit card. I'm like, I only operate in cash, people. I got a rental car at Disney World a few years ago with my lovely family, mm. and it was a minivan, and it had a flat tire. It was it was had a slow flat. Excuse me. It was so and you got in trouble for it. No, I was driving it, and it would ha- I'd have to fill it up every morning before we went to the parks with mm. air, mm. and then we, by the time we would get home, it would be flat again. So the day before we turned it, the day we turned it back in, I just filled it with air and dropped it off and ran. Gotta get out of there. Never got in trouble. Nope. Get out. Anyway. All right. So I think what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a little break. That sounds good. We're gonna uh, regroup. Might go to the bathroom. Play play a little musical number, mm. and then we'll come back at you. Sounds good. All right. musical interlude there it was wonderful i you used know, the opportunity to go urinate you did yeah did you make your own music in the toilet it, i'm always are you ever worried that the sound that you're making in the toilet yes is, is, is too loud is visible i'm not visible is is audible it's to, too loud to those outside depending on the social situation what i do is i pee on the porcelain on the inside of the yes, toilet. yes yes i don't hit the water no because i don't want to make entirely too much noise it's it too embarrassing okay here's a situation and yes. we have not i have not prepared you for this Let's say you're in a public restroom, okay, and there's multiple stalls. Yep, and you have to take a dump, real, mm. real bad. Like it's gonna there's be no a, avoiding it. It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a sh- it's gonna be a show, okay, if you will. Okay, um, you go in there and there's nobody in the bathroom. Nobody in there, and it's a, gr- it's a great feeling when you go in. Like you have to go to the bathroom really bad. You go in the bathroom, there's nobody there. You look underneath, there's no feet. No feet. So you go. First of all, what stall do you pick? The furthest from the door. Exactly, furthest yes. from the door. You pick the fur. Okay, so you get in there. 
You sit at, you make the ass gasket, you put the the, yep. the, the paper down, yep. you get situated, you put your phone on the on the on the little uh, paper towel dispenser, and you got the, you're about to go. Somebody walks into the bathroom. Yes. What do you do? Do you hold it or do you let fly? Uh, you you try to do a controlled burn, if you will. <laughs> controlled burn. Yes. How do you do that? Well, you you kind of like what? you slightly tense the sphincter enough so to you allow let it, it to let come go out. a little bit. Yes. And it's just slowly going to What come if it out? comes... It's coming out. It's coming out. Then it comes out. There's nothing you can do. I try to wait. Because... You do? Yeah, depending on... Okay, so if the oh, person... is too much pressure. If the person approaches the urinals... Yeah. If the person approaches the urinals, and I know it's going to be a short duration, I'll wait. Now, mm. if they go into another stall, it's fair game. You got to let it go. Got to let it go. Now, let me ask you this. Yes. So let's say you uh, you rip it. Yeah, gotta go. Right, mm-hmm. you're in the stall. Somebody comes in. Yep. You gotta wait for that person to leave. Oh right? yeah, you can't make eye you contact. You can't come out. No, 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 no. You can't no, no, come no. out while they they're washing their hands. They can't, they can't see, see you come out. That you, especially no. if you're at work. No. You know, like when you're in a workplace. Yes. And you really have to go. You don't want them to see you. You don't want them to see you. No. Nope. And then you you try to. You and s- then when you come out, you gotta quickly get out of there. You sneak out like a cat burglar yes. trying to get out the bathroom. Yes, exactly. Anyway, I'm glad we're on the same page. All right, good. So what we're gonna do now is we have a couple, four emails that we because I went. Through all the 666 emails, that's a lot had. of emails we had. Uh, I filtered through them, and uh, these were the the four that um, addressed the show specifically. Okay, uh, and so we're gonna we're gonna read them uh, as as they are. So I'm handing Mike a couple. I've not seen these, before. and I'm gonna I'm gonna read them. Okay, all right, so my first one is it says, "Dear Mike and Jay, this is from Trollbooty One at Yahoo.com. I don't know what the hell that means. Hmm. And their email says two words basically it says you suck yes that's it that's a good one that's that's really? the only that's who is it from words. again troll booty one troll booty troll booty one hey if you're listening troll booty thank you for the feedback yeah appreciate that actually i have one of the song with the same lines from that oh it's from glass bottom boat oh so that's a cool one at what i'm not telling because i don't oh. want people to email this person all right glass okay. bottom boat uh roses are red violets are blue the sun is shiny mike and jay eat stool <laughs> That's we're just talking about stool. That's, that's interesting. Uh, wonderful. Thank you, Glass Bottom Boat. <laughs> Thanks for your feedback. All right, this is to the EM Project. Uh, this nice. is from Scissor Kicks at gmail.com. Scissor Kicks. I bet it's a hot chick. <laughs> that says, I truly miss you guys. Oh, oh. Please come back. Pleasant. Uh, this was a year ago. <laughs> oh. My life is incomplete without you. It says that. Yeah. Does it have a number? I'm calling. I'm, we'll have to email him back. Oh. So that was that. That's that one. Okay, I got another one. Yep. Uh, this is from my man nipple chicken foot. Okay, so that sounds <laughs> that's interesting. Man, man nipple chicken foot. All right, uh, dear Mike and Jay, I'm willing to pay for you to come back to us. I could also barter barter random pleasure acts. It's up to you. Please get back to me. I'm going. <laughs> that's cool. You can email chicken nipples or whatever. Man nipple. No, man nipple chicken foot. Okay, I'm definitely getting back to that person. <laughs> All right, because I got some things in mind. Oh boy. All right. See the kind of stuff we get here in the end project. This is why we went off the air. Yeah, most people don't care. It's gratuitous. That's okay. Uh, and you know what? If we're able to bring a little mirth and merriment into your lives, great. Mirth? Mirth? Mirth. What does mirth mean? Mirth of fun. That's mirth? Mirth. I've heard of myrrh. No, mirth. I've never heard of mirth. You've never heard of mirth? I've never heard of the word mirth in my life. M-I-R-T-H, mirth. M-I-R, nope, never heard of it. No? I have a question, a word question for you. Mm. You know the word month? Like, you're having month... This is the month of January. Yeah. When you say plural, how do you say it? Months. Months. <laughs> is that so? It's tough. Is to that say. weird to anybody else but me? Months. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a th, so it's it's months. It's hard to M- say. Month. Months. <laughs> Spitting all over the microphone. Ew! Don't you have a spit shield over there? Uh, I have a pop filter. What's that? To keep, I don't have one. The p- puzz how come I don't have one? You don't have one because I broke it. Wow! All right, go. What do you got to tell me? So we would, we discussed a little bit about the uh, the origins of, of our interest in the strange and unusual. Yes. How we began our journey, uh, how we got into radio, and then later podcasting and everything, and what we're doing with the documentary. But before we get to that, well, we did already get to that. I wanted to talk a little bit about what makes us a little different and, and kind of a, a unique perspective on the entire field, mm-hmm. if you will. And that's because if you're a fan of the show, you know this. Uh, we are military veterans, uh, specifically of the United States Marine Corps. Uh, Brent, uh, our wonderful uh, compatriot who is helping us with the, uh, the the documentary project, is also a veteran uh, of, of two different branches of service, right? Two, That's correct. Yeah. Two, two branches. And most people who 
our veterans or served in the military for any length of time probably wouldn't be discussing this type of topic. It's not something that is, um, it's not something that is germane to folks, or you wouldn't think it was. Mm. That's why I wanted to say you wouldn't think that somebody who um, is, was involved in the military would be into this sort of thing. But I want to talk about a couple of quick, uh, a couple of quick examples of just that type of thing. Sure, if that makes sense. So. The United States Marine Corps has a reputation. What would you say the reputation of the Marine Corps is? Uh, as opposed to other branches of service. Uh, drunken war fighting. Yeah. So <laughs> it's typically looked at as uh, the most rabid kind of thing. Mm. Would you say? Rabid yeah. adherence. It's more... I've had, I had a National Guard guy tell me uh, fairly mm. recently that he joined the National Guard because uh, the Marine Corps is not a branch of the service. It's a cult. And he didn't want to join a cult. And in some aspects, he's exactly right. Because... People who join the Marine Corps don't join it because you get more money, or uh, you know you don't get you don't get any additional benefits of joining. They join it because they want to be part of that organization, and as a result, you get a different attitude towards. Mm-hmm. Does that make different sense? Perception. Yeah. Uh, Gung ho is the term that we use. Yes. So you wouldn't think that people who were in the Marine Corps would be into into to this type of thing because it's it's not. I don't know. It doesn't seem like it would be a fitting with that type of experience. However, I will tell you that one of my first experiences at my first duty station mm. involved the paranormal. Would you like to hear the story? I would love to hear it. Okay. My first duty station, I was a military police officer, uh, as, as some of you may know. And I was stationed on the wonderful island of Okinawa, Japan. Oh, hey, ragatone. After graduating boot camp and going through my training and everything like that, uh, they decided to give me a gun and some bullets. And they told me how to use them. And they said, go patrol this base on Okinawa, Japan. Okay. So I was like 19 years old. And as I'm, you know, you, you, the way you learn how to patrol is you just drive around and you look for stuff that doesn't look, you, you look for stuff that looks weird, I guess. Mm. And one of the areas of the uh, Camp Hansen, uh, Okinawa, Japan, which I was assigned to, was uh, there was a rifle range out in, uh, off to the side if you, uh, of, of the main side base, if you will. And part of the patrol area was you've got to go out there and drive around. In my time there, I never saw any other human being out at the rifle range because I worked overnight shift. Mm. So I would go out and just drive around, make sure that there was nobody out there. All hours of the night. All hours of the night. You just drive. And what you do is you get into a routine, which you probably shouldn't do as a policeman. Uh, But you just drive around and you you just kind of drive around. One of the uh, one of the one of the nights I was out there and had had just started. Um, middle of the night, I had to go to the bathroom really, really bad. And I was out in the rifle range area. It was a little bit removed from the main side. Driving around by yourself. Driving around by yourself, I should say that. You don't get a partner. Nope. That's a, you would know. Is it a miss? You know, when you look at cop shows on TV, there was a partner. It depends. Is there partners? There are partners. In certain uh, places, certain departments, they do have partners. Like the periods. more high-risk departments? Maybe? Uh, you know, it just depends on how they how, what their SOP is. I never had a partner. Okay. Maybe because it smelled bad. Anyway, so this one particular night, I'm out at the rifle range in there in that area. I had to use the bathroom. Now they had these. Uh, it wasn't like a porta potty, but it wasn't like a real bathroom either. It was like this kind of field toilet thing, mm, mm. and they had like a, a weird roof to it. It's hard to explain, but it wasn't like a real nice bathroom. But I had to go to the bathroom real bad. So I go into the bathroom, and as I'm walking into the bathroom, I remembered something. I remembered my training officer, who I had just uh, done some training with uh, very recently told me there was a ghost at the rifle range in the oh. bathroom. Oh. And I said, and I didn't remember that until I was walking into the bathroom, and I remember the story. And the training guy said there was a, a Marine out the, at the training area who killed himself mm. in that bathroom. And you can still see the bullet hole in the roof mm. where he killed himself. And I said, and I didn't remember that until I was, I was going to the bathroom and I looked up. You didn't want to look up, though. I didn't want to look up. I'm like, I don't want to look up. Now I'm in a haunted bathroom yep. by myself in the yep. middle of nowhere in a foreign country. I'm 19 years old. Uh, I, I, this is one of the most scary experiences of my life. And I looked up, and guess what I saw? A bullet hole. No bullet hole. No bullet there hole? There was no bullet hole. Oh. <laughs> no. It was an urban legend. I, yeah, I, didn't, I don't think Or at least they repaired it, and you didn't know. Or they or... repaired Like, Well, for instance, okay, let's look at it logically. Let's say that, that a, a Marine killed himself. Would they repair that hole? Probably. Probably. They probably would repair the hole. Yes. Yeah. So I don't think that story was true. Well, but it led me to uh, wonder about, you know, military people's experiences with the paranormal. And there's, there's a lot of them. Did you have any experiences while you were in the service? Uh, I never did. No, I mean, not in, uh, not paranormal experiences uh, 
as as normal people would describe them. I mean, I had various strange experiences. Oh, sure. Um, Mostly related to alcohol. Alcohol and strange ladies. Women, but, uh, women other than that, no. Angry prostitutes. No, I didn't. I didn't really. Honestly, I've always been I've been the kind of person that has always wanted to see or experience something of that sort, hmm. where I could say, "Wow, that was that was an interesting, unexplained event." Mm-hmm. Um, I never was able to do that up until we actually started doing the uh, our paranormal uh, investigative team. Mm-hmm. And Mike and I always had we always when we went out on these expeditions. We always tend to stay together because mm. we work well together. Mm. We know each other's. We yes. have integrity, and we're not going to bullshit the other person. Right. So it was one particular uh, uh, residence that we were investigating, mm-hmm. and it was a pretty uneventful um, evening for the most part, except for when I almost fell through the roof, uh, climbing through the attic. I fell through the ceiling. But anyway, <laughs> we were down in the basement at one particular point, and uh, we were just standing there doing the normal, like you see on TV, asking the questions and all of this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. with our backs into the corner of the room. Yes. And suddenly we heard a very guttural growling sound that was coming kind of from behind us, but there was really no behind us. Right. It was we just a wall. in the corner. It was a wall, and we yeah. were in the basement yep. of this old, uh, you know, 150-year-old schoolhouse or whatever that turned into a residence. Yes. And that, that, was, that was very interesting to me. Yeah, that is a, that is a true story. That's a true story. Yeah. Uh, and then another event that happened, uh, you know, we were actually in another residence that was featured prominently on the Ghost Hunters TV show, mm-hmm. uh, which is in a was in a neighboring community. I think it was Blackstone, yes. Massachusetts, which is a neighboring community here. Yes. Um, and we were, you know, we had set up the cameras and everything and, you know, we're taking video and we were going to review the evidence. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting around watching the video from that was recorded from the master bedroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for a fact that this was legit because I was there when they were setting the camera up. It wasn't something that was could have been fudged because I had been there the whole time. And, you know, take it with a grain of salt, if you will. You can believe me or not. Mm-hmm. I'm a man of integrity. Uh, Supposedly. Except when it comes to uh, giving my debit card to the Taco Bell people. <laughs> oh, shoot. I said Taco Bell. It was Bell. Taco Bell. Oh, it was. Oh. <laughs> anyway. So we're standing there reviewing the video, and the lights are on in the bedroom, and there's just the camera in there. Where you see the people set the camera up, walk out of the room. A little while later, there are these louvered doors, closet What's a louver? doors. Louvered. What's a louver? You know what a louver is? No. Like slatted. You made that up. Slatted doors. What's a louver? You know, like different slats. You know, like in a dressing room at a store. You know, the slatted slats. doors. Slats. Slats. Like where, like where a cuckold will stand yes. while his wife is getting railed by some other guy, and he looks through the the he looks through the uh, the slats, the and he chews uh, on his fingers, slats. and he goes. Yes. <laughs> that's like, I guess if that's how you want to say uh, it. Anyway, sorry. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> so anyway, all of a sudden you see a, a ball of light, a little ball, I guess, in relation to the slat. Oh. It's probably maybe like smaller than dime sized, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. A, a, like a little pea sized, maybe. Ball of light emanate from one of these louvers. Or slats, if you will, mm-hmm. comes out of the closet, goes down, kind of like moves around, moves over to the bed, mm-hmm. flies around the pillow. <laughs> this is so weird, yeah. even saying it, because it sounds completely ridiculous. It does. And then it goes back to the closet, up into the louver, and disappears off. And it the... couldn't have been dust or any no. type of, because it had its own illumination. It, it illuminated, it yeah. just moved around and then took off and then never came back. Yeah. So that, that was interesting to me as well. Yeah, and, and, and so... I think my my biggest problem with the whole paranormal investigation world is that evidence is probably very hard to come by. Mm. And when things do happen, it's never dramatic. It's always something somewhat small or something you have to look at or it's a noise. But when you look at these, especially the TV shows, and and I think what what happens is these groups all want to be famous, right? They all want to get on TV, and they feel like the only way they can do that is by making it more elaborate and right. showing that, that there's something outrageous that happens. And in reality, that's not how it is. And, and they're on TV, so there's yeah. the pressure of being on TV. Right. There's the pressure of making a, something interesting that people are going to want to watch, yes. right? That doesn't. That's not how it happens, generally right. speaking. Right. And my question, too, is why is it always nighttime? Do ghosts not arrive during the day? What? Why wouldn't it, what, what does nighttime have to do? It just makes it more dramatic. It makes it, and it also makes it easier to read into things. If you see shadows, you know, if you're in a brightly lit room, you can see everything very clearly. It's not likely that something will, will take you by surprise. You know, I think we can describe ourselves as skeptical believers, right? Yeah. So th- th- we've said this, we've used that term before. 
you know, we definitely believe in the fact that there are strange things that we can't necessarily explain with science. We can't explain with uh, normal reality. But mm-hmm. there are things out there that we that are just beyond the the veil, if you will, that we can't really under that we don't understand or or can't explain. Right. However, as as Mike uh, uh, elucidated brilliantly, elucidated was that. It's not so dramatic, right? It, it, it's usually it's 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 something that's very minute, yeah. Um, and you have to be very aware of what you're what you're doing. Uh, and the thing is, too, um, you know, uh oh, you know, it's it's just one of those things. So mm-hmm. that that brings us that harkens back to the documentary we're going to do. Yes, and I think part of the reason that we we talked about doing the documentary was to look into the process. Uh, it's not going to be a it's not going to be a movie about doing a paranormal investigation. That's not the movie. The movie is about how the story started, where it came from, how it evolved, how it affects people's lives, that kind of thing. And we probably will have a little bit of, you know, um, the traditional paranormal investigation part of it, but only to the effect where, where we, we're trying to uh, show how the process can be altered and faked and so on and so forth. Exactly. 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 Because I know that a lot of that does take place. It does take place, and and as we mentioned earlier, from our from our own experience, right? Um, particular individuals would ham it up for the camera, ham it up for the camera. Uh, you know, everything is fine, and then all of a sudden they walk by the camera, and they're like, oh! "I think the thing that, that bothers me the most is that there are a lot of people out there who think that they're experts in. Mm-hmm. I'm an expert in the paranormal. First of all, there's no such thing. Because if you were an expert in it, you'd be able to explain what everything is. You can't. And if you go on these these uh, social media pages and you go on the uh, internet sites, everybody knows, oh, I, that's a that's a uh, demonic spirit that has attacked. Well, how do you get all, like, where are you getting this from? Mm. People just create this crap out of nonsense. And then they wonder why everyone thinks that they're nuts. Because they don't approach things from a practical s- standpoint. They act like they know and that no one knows. It's hard to have an expert in something that is not, you know, uh, repeatable or sci- right. uh, something that you can't verify through the scientific method. Yes. Right. So you can't say, well, this hap- A happened, so B is going to happen. Right. You can't, it's difficult to have an expert. You can have people with experience. Sure. People that have, have you know, done certain things. And if, if you believe and if they're being 100% honest with you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can take their experiences and, and, and run with it as far as that goes. I think that, I think that the downfall for, for me, uh, and why I got out of the whole paranormal business, if you will, was I can point to one specific person. And this is a person I was, I was standing in a supposedly haunted site with a group of people. And this person had a, like one of those, <laughs> one of those minor helmets on with a little oh, light on top of it. I like those. And They're she had all this, she, yeah. it was a she, she had all this equipment yeah. and was like calibrating it. And I said, this is an idiot that doesn't know anything. <laughs> And I have to stand here with it. I'm not going to be here anymore. Well, and a lot of the things this. too is you know, and we we've we've gone out with different groups. Yeah. Um. And you know they're trying to uh, document and record minute fluctuations in the environment, and they're smoking cigarettes <laughs> and drinking natty ices. I'm like, that's not that's not how you do this, right? Yeah. I mean, yes. and then they'll have like a device that's got lights on it, and all right. of a sudden the lights turn from green to yellow, and yep. they go, oh, yeah. But like, what does that mean? Oh, does I'm getting. Mean, what does it mean? Anything? I'm getting electromagnetic f- uh, frequencies. Yeah, you're in a house that has electricity going through it. You're going to get electromagnetic fluctuations. There's walls with wires in right. them. There's appliances. There's all sorts of things that are going on. And if if let me ask you this: if everything that they do supposedly that is scientific in order to create uh, to, in order to uh, document evidence of the paranormal, if all that works, how come there isn't any? How come there's no evidence of the paranormal? How come it's not on the evening news? It's, it's always something that's a personal experience or, oh, I had a psychic vision. Psychics, to me, are one of, some of the worst people on earth because they either are completely full of it and lying or they've deluded themselves into thinking that they um, can communicate with spirits and everything because everything is a personal experience. You can't prove, you can't prove that they didn't have that experience. Yeah. See what I'm saying? As far as psychics are concerned, I, I, you know, I feel like, you know, there are certain people out there that have, that are able to be in tune with certain things that others are not, Mm -hmm. right? Like they can tune into different frequencies, just like a person can, you know, run a 40 yard dash in, uh, you know, four seconds or jump. I can do that. Dunk a basketball, Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. Like everybody has different 
um, abilities. It doesn't necessarily make it supernatural. Right. It just makes it natural for that person to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. With that said, there are people that take advantage of that, though. And that's why yes. what we're trying to do. We're trying to weed through the nonsense mm-hmm. and get to the truth and the reality of all these things that are going on. But of, but of greater interest, and I think, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, but of greater interest to us is not so much the scientific <clears throat> aspect of it, but more of the... Um, the experiences that people have that led them to this point, whether that's a, a story that they heard when they were growing up, uh, something that affected them, something, you know, an experience that they had as a kid that affected them for the rest of their lives. I think that's where our documentary is going. Right. That kind of thing. What do you think about, what do you think about refunds? Refunds. Refunds like what? Refunds. Let, let me ask you this. Hmm. You ever been in a situation where you had to purchase something via a debit or credit card? Yes. And then for whatever reason, you had to cancel that transaction, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. So when you swipe it, they nah. immediately take your money. You're very aggressive right now. Right? It's scaring me. Do they not? Right? Immediately the for transaction goes de- through. If it's a debit card, yes. And then they go, and then you go, well, listen, uh, for whatever reason, I need my money back. I need to cancel this transaction. Well, that'll be 10 to 15 bits. <laughs> Wait a second. Yeah, you took my money right away. You just took my money right away. Yeah. This just happened to me. That's why. And oh. I had to call several times to get my money back. Yes. Well, sir. Well, sir, we have to... Uh, sir, It has to go sir, through corporate. Corporate. And we have to verify the refund. Mm. And then we have to get about mm-hmm. the 7 to 10 business days. I'm like, wait a second. You took it right away. You, you can't give it back money. right you away. You took my money. You right. took it right away. Give it back. I need it, man. Also, yes, no, that, that, that whole process is ridiculous. But also taxes. Think about this for a minute. So when you pay taxes, right? Pay taxes. You pay income tax. And let's say at the end of the year, you ever come up with... You ever, you ever have to pay... Money. Well, uh, I still owe. Yeah. So Don't tell the IRS. I owe thousands upon thousands. End of, of the year, you have to pay money, yes. right? So you got to pay the money, and you have to pay interest on that money. Mm. But when the government takes your money and then refunds you at the end of the year, they didn't pay interest on that no. money. So how come they don't pay interest? They kept my money for a whole year. They don't pay me any more than they Be- took because everything is a scam. Yeah. Everything is to <laughs> screw you and I Pretty and much. every other regular person in the world. Yes, and yes. I, I can't stand it. No. Anyway, excuse me. So let's talk a little bit about. We'll end the program on this note. Let's talk a little it. bit about the documentary that we're doing. Yeah, a little bit more. Okay. okay. So as we mentioned, we're gonna get together with Brent. Brent lives in Indiana. Yep. The heartland of the U.S., if you will. A lot of wheat there. A lot of wheat. A lot, a lot of, of corn, corn. A lot of crazed chickens running about. Mm. Um, Flatlands mm-hmm. all around. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it there. I've been there many, many I've a time. I've never been to Indiana. I'm going to live there someday. Oh, really? I am. You're going to live on the flatlands? I'm going to live in the flats. You know, I haven't imagined if the if the uh, the ocean current uh, the ocean levels rise as mm. they are supposed to do. Mm. Uh, Indiana is probably a pretty good place to be, right? Because you're right in the middle of nowhere. Well, it's you know it's further inland. Hundreds and hundreds of, of miles inland, of course. So anyway, here we are in New England, Rhode Island, Massachusetts area, the New England area. Mike and I are putting together our portion of this documentary. Brent is doing his due diligence to do his end. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point, we're going to coalesce. We're going to combine our forces. Mesh. We're going to head out to the heartland. Mm-hmm. And we're going to uh, put together this, uh, you know, certain aspects of this documentary. Record some things out there together. Mm-hmm. Um, Hopefully fully clothed. Fully clothed. Um, Most of the time. Until the adult beverages start. Then mm-hmm. who knows what's going to happen. And then who knows what's going to happen? After who knows? That. It's a free for all. But we're going to go out there. We're going to uh, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to have a roundtable discussion. Mm. We're going to uh, investigate some of the local legends to Indiana. Yep. And I think probably if we continue with the Eon Project, mm. which I think we enjoy doing, yeah, it's fun. Um, we'll have Brent back on. He'll talk about his end of the thing, of the thing, the thing, of things, his end, uh, his end, which is uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, sounds like a good time will be had by all. What do you think about that? I think it's going to be fun. I think this is the start of a wonderful adventure in movie making, hopefully to become a worldwide phenomenon. Mm. The Eon Project goes live. Exactly. So hopefully we can uh, we can build on this mm-hmm. and uh, and stay back with our mind focused and the things going where they need to be. Uh, and we do have a new email address. I want to give that out. Uh, we, we have formed a new media company. It's called Hermit Light Media. Yes, that's uh, correct. It's... Uh, hermit light meaning like a hermit, you know, like somebody who lives out in the wilderness yes. and doesn't like anyone. That's correct. You, if you, you could picture the the inside cover or the cover of uh, uh, Stairway to Heaven by Led Zeppelin. Yes, he's the hermit. The hermit is a uh, is a old uh, tarot mm. uh, card. So you can go to hermitlightmedia.com. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm sorry. It's just hermitlight.com. Hermitlightmedia at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of us at theguys at hermitlight.com. 
So I'm confused. Was it Hermit Light Media? No. No. So HermitLight.com is Hermit the website. HermitLight.com is the website. HermitLightMedia at Gmail is the web, is cool. a is an email. Another way to get a hold of us is gotcha. the guys at hermitlight.com. The guys. The guys. Ooh. And you can still reach us at the Eon Project at Yahoo.com as well. You can? That's where um what was it? What was Chicken Foot Man? What was it called? What was oh, his hold name? on, let me pull this up again. What was his name? It is uh Man Nipple Chicken Foot. <laughs> Whatever that is. Okay. Man nipple chicken <laughs> foot. Uh, hopefully you're listening because I want to talk to you. Yes, absolutely. So just remember, until next time, the truth exists. Believe.